Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. From Mansur's on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Though a lot of us in Louisiana's big cities like Baton Rouge and New Orleans don't think much about it, farming is a significant sector of the state's economy. Nearly one-third of the state's land is farmland, and more than 27,000 farms still exist, though it's a rapidly changing and challenging way to make a living. But fortunately, there are still opportunities for creative young people who are practicing new ways of cultivating livestock and crops and creating new products with the output. With me today to discuss this is Galen Iverstein, founder and co-owner of Iverstein Farms and Butcher, which includes a farm in Kentwood, Louisiana, that uses sustainable farming practices in raising its cattle and a full-service butcher shop and smokehouse in Baton Rouge. There, Galen sells local farm-raised meats while also supporting local farming partners that prioritize land healing methods. Galen started the business in 2010 when he bought his 65-acre farm it grew out of his experience during his senior year at LSU when trying to figure out what to do with his life, he took an English class that focused on food writing and he learned all about food policy, industrial agricultural models and subsistence farming, subjects that sparked a passion that has grown over the years and led to all this. Galen, it's so much fun. Great story. Thank you for being here today to tell us about it. Thanks for having me. With me and Galen at the table is Natalie Noel, CEO of Noel Family Distillery, a company based in Donaldsonville that uses locally sourced sugarcane to distill tequila, rum, and vodka, as well as a line of canned craft cocktails, which are blended with natural flavors. Natalie founded the family distillery with her dad, Chip Noel, who was inspired to open a distillery by his travels as a pilot, where he was exposed to Caribbean style and Central American rums and decided to bring it home here to Louisiana. Natalie has a background in marketing. Natalie, it's such a fun story. Thank you so much for being here with me today on Out to Lunch. Awesome, thanks for having me. Galen, so you took this interesting English class your senior year and discovered your passion. And then all of a sudden a farm that's raising cattle? Yeah, when you say it like that, all of a sudden a farm, that was kind of the way it felt, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I was a mediocre political science student to say the the most of my agricultural career, <laughs> I mean, my academic career. Um, and really, you know, my path post-education wasn't super clear. And me being kind of a um, mediocre student, went down some rabbit holes and trying to write papers and things like that and, and found that these alternative methods of producing agricultural products and then direct marketing them to consumers really struck a chord with me of there was this this group of people growing in the United States of choosing to remove themselves from 
the the model that's been put in place over the last 50 years of agriculture and really returning to uh, controlling every step of the production model and then as well as the way it gets marketed and into the customer's hands. Interesting. Yeah, so um, after kind of studying all these people around the country, I decided to go intern on a farm in New Hampshire while we secured land. When I say we, it's me and my parents. And um, came back and started really small and, and grew from there. And your parents just bought into this pretty much. Yeah, so um, the other alternative is I was going through MEPS down in uh, New Orleans to enter the military, the military oh, wow. entrance process. And so it was that or this business plan that I had put together and asked if they wanted to join as partners and, and go into it. And they said, yeah, if it keeps you out of the Marines, oh, let's do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And Natalie, you also are in business with your dad and in <laughs> such an interesting and unusual um, field and a great one too right so how did this come about because the story is that your dad is a pilot and and this was sort of his brainchild yeah i have i definitely have to give him credit for it uh, our family does have a history of generations of farming sugarcane in louisiana outside in donaldsonville and um, he was uh, ex he was being exposed to rum really falling in love with the spirit uh, and my dad is a man of many hobbies and so he's done everything. So he decided to build his own still, which may or may not have been <laughs> a thing, you know, possible, but he did. And he was just making it for, you know, he was just experimenting and falling in love with the process of distillation, taking in a raw material like sugarcane mm -hmm. and distilling it into a, a spirit that everyone could enjoy. Uh, so about six years ago, I mean, I was already operating a couple of other companies, uh, you know, focusing on delivering uh, consumer products to uh, folks that need it right. so it, it was just another really great product and it has our name on it and something we could build uh, uh, we could build together uh, and my dad and I become best friends through the process uh, so I mean what more can you ask for that's fantastic yeah, so. and and your college career you were a basketball player I did and okay. yeah so I, I was a basketball player which uh, was funny enough put a lot of tension between my dad and I so our relationship was always very tense like why aren't you practicing enough <laughs> go practice go do this but it worked out I played in college uh, UL Lafayette uh, got a scholarship so, so my dream came true I'm a bit of a dreamer so uh, when my dad said what do you think about this I I why not? Why not us? So we, we, we went for it. Okay. Well, I want to hear a lot more about the distillation process, but Galen, tell us a little bit about farming livestock. It's one thing to buy a big piece of land, but I mean, to master how to grow and raise right. livestock, especially in this sort of sustainable way that right. y'all are known for. Yeah. So um, that was kind of when, when I decided to pursue a career in agriculture, it was, hey, let, let's produce a really great product that we can go direct to consumer with. But at the end of the day, the goal of the farm and the goal of the farmers that we work with is to improve the quality of the topsoil on the farm using um, strategic animal impact by uh, managing the grazing practices pretty intensively, um, which is increasing the soil quality, but also reducing um, off-farm inputs like uh, chemical fertilizers, um, pesticides, herbicides, things like that. So that was our main goal is okay. to improve the, the soil quality by using the animal impact and rotational grazing 
And at the end of the day, having a really great product to put out to our consumer. And it's all grass-fed beef? Yeah, so we focus on three main proteins, uh, grass-fed beef, pastured pork, which we use some heritage breed hogs to do that, and then pastured poultry as well. So being broiler chickens and uh, holiday turkeys. Nice. And, and then where do you source your animals? Yeah, so we self-sourced from 2010 all the way to about 2018. Uh, we had opened our retail shop in 2016 in Baton Rouge. Um, and then in 2020, a little thing called COVID hit. I think everybody <laughs> remembers that. Right. Um, and it really kind of flipped our business model on its head. Um, you know, the demand, what you saw is kind of the larger agricultural models, to put it lightly, failed. You know, the, the, the supply chain broke, um, the inspection systems broke, and everything kind of directed uh, consumers to a more local product, which proved to be a little more agile in getting product to the consumer. Now, that being said, as demand went up, doesn't mean I automatically have three times the amount of cattle available on our farm to process. The, right. In farming, you're planning two years out, right? Yeah. So I couldn't have... Um, had a magic ball, a magic wand, and say, "Hey, Abracadabra, we have more cattle available." So we started reaching out to the network of farmers that we had that had their products dedicated to New Orleans and Baton Rouge restaurants, and even to the Memphis market, and kind of stepped in and said, "Look, you're stacking up on product. I'm running out of product. Let's work together and uh, get your product to directly to consumer." And then through the pandemic and through the next year we it really proved to be the model for us so we work with regional farmers most of our beef cattle and hogs are coming out of a farm out of como mississippi the benefit of using them is they have a usda kill plant on their farm mm -hmm. which reduced the amount of um kind of wrangling to get to different slaughterhouses which really got booked up during the time and then for poultry we're working with a farmer out of uh, singer louisiana which is uh, just north of de Ritter and they do all pastured poultry. Fantastic. So uh, uh, one of those COVID sort of silver lining stories, or yeah, at least for sure. you for sure. found the best way. Mm -hmm. Natalie, tell me about the spirits that you all distill. Rum obviously comes from the sugar cane, but also the tequila and the vodka? N no. no. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. Good, good. Yeah, so um, the rum, uh, rum can be made from all different forms of sugar cane, starting from the juice all the way through to like the actual uh, brown sugar. Uh, so we um, so we're making our rum right now. We're in the process of making our rum from uh, Louisiana sugar cane right outside of Donaldsonville. Nice. And so that's very exciting. Uh, but I, I was uh, I'm also a tequila girl, and I've, along this process, uh, it took so long. I really fell in love with tequila, and tequila must be made in Mexico. It's made from the agave plant, and um, I was able to find a, a partner in Mexico, another female-owned distillery. And uh, they worked with us very closely to, uh, to decide, uh, because tequila in, in Mexico, the regions are, uh, there's the high land and the low land, and mm -hmm. they grow the tequila every, I mean, they grow agave everywhere. Every, every, every agave is everywhere in Mexico, okay. it seems, uh, in, the, in the Jalisco region. So we, we experimented with uh, a blend from the highland and the lowland, and what the elevation does to the, the agave is pretty interesting. So the highland is much sweeter, where the lowland is much, uh, much more drier and herbaceous. So our tequila is a blend of the agaves. Um, our blanco is smooth and clean, and then our, our, our reposado is aged in a former Jack Daniel oak barrel for mm. three months. So it gives it like a nice, nice slightly sweet, delicious flavor. And then uh, our vodka, we use 100% corn, USA corn, 
uh, and it's it's been distilled six times and then charcoal filtered. So and do y'all do that variety. in Donaldsonville also? We or? make the pickle vodka in Donaldsonville. So you're buying yeah. The other so we buy vodka the the vodka. Else. Yeah, we definitely. Uh, it's it's just not economical to make everything, uh, make make vodka mm-hmm. and make rum. The, the, it requires a different still and much more of a longer distillation process um, mm-hmm. in terms of like having to have a, a larger still. Yeah. So. And, and so y'all both were sort of able to capitalize on, and maybe this is the wrong word, but like artisanal farming, right? And, and cultivating and everything, which seems to be a thing over the past decade at least or more. How's yeah, the market, like s- small, you know? s- small scale farms, you know, and the only way that um, I think small scale agriculture works is if you're producing a, a unique product, a good consistent product, and you can go directly to the consumer with it. That's the only way you can get, you know, the margins that you need to hit rather than, you know, on a 65 acre farm starting out, there's no way I would have been able to make it by selling the volume of cattle that we need to do just to the open market. Mm-hmm. We would have, you know, been out of business in a year. Um, so being able to add value to products and bring them directly to, to consumers was really the only way we can really make that work. Sure. Yeah, and I would just on the sugarcane side. I mean, Louisiana is the largest producer producer of sugar, and so just allowing uh, our local farmers another avenue to to see their product get to market is really fun to be a part of, and you know I'm, I'm really excited about it. So. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Natalie Noel of Noel Family Distillery and Galen Iverstein of Iverstein Butcher. We'll continue our conversation when we come right back from this short break. Support for Out to Lunch Baton Rouge comes from Adeta Corporate Staffing, Basics Swim and Gym, and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, Infinite Health Integrative Medicine Center, Michelle Weighing and Measurement, Calibration Services and Measurement Equipment Since 1947, New Orleans Ice Cream, available in select grocery stores, and Rev Realtors. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Natalie Noel of Noel Family Distillery and Galen Iverstein of Iverstein Butcher. Galen, as we mentioned, y'all now have a, a smokehouse in a, mm. a shop and a restaurant, Correct. too in Baton Rouge, which is a totally different business, <laughs> right, really than, than the farm. And so, I mean, do you go back and forth, both in your head, physically, yep. between the two, and, and which side maybe do you feel more comfortable, or is it 50-50? Yeah, so, um, like Natalie, I'm a dreamer as well, and just kind of one of the, instead of ready, aim, shoot, I'm more of a shoot, aim, let's go <laughs> kind of person. Um, so, um you know, the butcher shop opened in 2016 at our original location. So we really got some experience in retail, you know, just the whole business of retail. And then um, the goal of our operation, really, as we're working with these farmers, is to make use of the whole animal, right? So we know how much dedication and hard work and sacrifice goes into not only producing that product by the producer, but the animal as well. So we want to respect the work, we want to respect the life of that animal by adding value to everything. So the thought was, well, we need a restaurant to be able to cook things that your everyday consumer is not going to buy. You know, we generate a lot of bones so we can make stocks, broths, soups, things like that. So the the restaurant business is difficult. I'm learning that. (laughs) So um, we've been at about a year and a half now. And, you know, the take home is you got to have systems in place. You got to, you know, I'm a big believer in, 
people run systems and systems run business. And that's really been my job over the last year is developing those systems, the training, the recipes and things like that. And we're really getting to a point where it's starting to get a little easier, you know, but on a daily basis, I'm jumping like yesterday. Let's see, I did dishes, served food, made boudin, packed subscription delivery. So yeah, it's a, I wear a lot of hats, but um, I'm really starting to get a good, um, workforce in place to kind of be able to delegate all those things to. Are the Iversteins getting rich off of the livestock? We are not getting rich. No, we, we, uh, you know, we're self-funded. So everything we've done has really been bootstrapped and organically grown. You know, we, we've never gotten out of in front of our skis too far. You know, we always wanted to kind of build our market organically. Um, but we have grown a business to a million and a half dollar business now in, six years so i feel like we're, we're getting traction um and as those um revenue numbers get up our margins in, increase because of the scalability of what we're doing that's what we've learned the most about what we're doing is you got to put scale to it you know if you try to do it at a pound at a time you'll you'll run yourself yeah. ragged sure yeah. and and natalie i don't think y'all no are riches quite yet no <laughs> riches yet just we're just gonna put that out there but um our kids will be rich yeah <laughs> i mean Yes, I mean we've we've only been in operation since May of 2023, so it's really it's going to take some time. Right now, it's about uh, investing in the product first and foremost, which we're very proud of. Then, secondly, it's uh, we have a, a team, a great team. Uh, it's about marketing, getting the word out. Uh, we've had some tremendous initial partners, uh, with like local restaurants and local um, local uh, grocery stores. Uh, and we just signed with the largest distributor in the in the country in the state, which is Southern Glazer. That's huge. So that's huge. That's a huge uh, milestone for us. And, and does that mean they'll be distributing all your products, or just some of them to restaurants and shops? And when everywhere. I say shops, I mean stores. I mean everyone, right? We should be everywhere, baby. We gotta go. <laughs> um, we need we need that scale. We need okay. we need liquid to lips. That's been a big deal for me. Is uh, is I know if I can get you to taste it, I think you'll fall in love with it. Um, we're, we're a family business. We're about fun and f- good flavor, and that's what Louisiana is about. So I think uh, I think it's something that people can identify with. So a lot of our mar- a lot of our time and our our uh, dollars are spent on marketing and uh, coming up with ways to like, get our message out there. And you do have a marketing background, and you know a lot about marketing, and like your signage even notes that y'all are the official tequila of LSU Athletics. How does something like that, in terms of branding, like translate into awareness, sales, liquid to lips, as you say? Yeah, um, well, we were just three months old, and uh, we were, you know, presented with the opportunity to be the official tequila of LSU Athletics. So uh, that was something as a huge fan of LSU and uh, wanting to partner with them. That was like a, a tremendous opportunity. Uh, and so you can imagine, I mean, it's one of the best brands, most well-known brands in the, in the country is, uh, is LSU. So um, having our spirits sold in, in all of the sporting events like Tiger Stadium, the PMAC, and, and the Alex Box, that's, that's been a big deal. But it's also just the, the sentiment. Has, I've, I've noticed when we do tastings and we let folks know. I mean, it's just quality with quality. And it has actually translated into um, um, awareness and uh, more orders from the restaurants. Galen, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I want to go back to your early years, maybe the internship or maybe it came sort of on-the-job training. But how did you learn about the animals, the livestock, yeah, and literally point. how to butcher a cow? 
and cut yeah. it up and get that great, you know, meat product that y'all are known for? So on the farming side of things, um, like I did the internship, but that was in New Hampshire. Right. Farming is, you know, climate specific. So getting back to Louisiana, you know, I always had, you know, it, it would go against most business philosophy, but we started very, very small because my philosophy was, this is a life we're dealing with here. So, and I'm learning. The last thing I want to do is fail, and you know the consequences are dire on that end, on the animals end. So, just kind of trial and error. You know what works, what doesn't work, um, and and went from there. And and by 2015, we really had some really great systems in place. But I learned, you know, jumping in the truck with a farmer and riding around with him was some of the best education I ever had. You know, and, and hearing them talk about climate and water and all these different things um, was really my education. Now, the butcher side of things, um, this is going to be funny, but, you know, prior to 2016, the Slaughterhouse did all of our butchering for us. And that was one of the big reasons we wanted to get into the business is because the Slaughterhouse would package it, have it um, inspected, and when I would get it and go to, let's say, a farmer's market or to a restaurant, if it wasn't exactly how the customer wanted it, there's nothing I can do. I can't put a knife to that product now. So that was a really a big decision for us to do all this ourselves so we can add value to everything and be more customizable for the customer. Um, we went and worked with the slaughterhouse for a little while and learned how to cut. But also, YouTube's awesome. I mean, you can learn anything on YouTube. So when a, yeah, so, uh, when, when a, you know, we get whole carcasses in from farms and, um, you know, when somebody comes in and says, I want this cut, sure, we can do that. We go in the back, watch a YouTube, and let's do it, you know. Um, the answer is always yes, we can do that. It just depends on the volume of the cut that you want. Well, yeah, it's, it's been on-the-job training. Um, I've got a great staff of butchers that we've trained in-house, uh, kind of the way we want to do it. Um, but and, and that was kind of the thing is I could have gone and found – grizzled old butchers that don't know how to handle a customer, but our butchers need to be able to handle a customer. So I would much rather find really nice people with customer service experience and train them how to butcher because it's a, it's a conversation with a customer about what do you want, what are you trying to do, and, and making sure we're putting the right cut in their hands. And that's what we've kind of learned being a whole animal butcher is that if you look at an animal, you have to think about how the muscle gets used on pasture and what that's gonna mean for how you cook it. So for instance, your chuck, everything from the shoulder is there moving around a thousand pound animal on the pasture. So it gets used a lot, right? Mm -hmm. So it needs to be braised, smoked, low, slow cooking to create tenderness. Like, but, but alternatively, if we think about the tenderloin, it's really not doing anything other than supporting the skeletal structure of the animal. That's why it's gonna be tender. So talking to customers, figuring out how they want to cook and making sure we're putting the right cut in their hands and, and getting unique cuts that they've never seen before because in a grocery store, you're pretty limited on the, the amount of cuts you're going to have. So that's been a cool experience is introducing customers to new cuts. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. And Natalie, on, on your side, I mean, it seems like there would be a lot of sort of on-the-job training, particularly with, for instance, the new line of craft um, cocktails that are blended. Um, how do you and Chip Noel, a pilot, come up with the knowledge and expertise to make these delicious drinks? I mean, sometimes you have to know your limits and your area of expertise, and you just bring in the, the folks that, uh, that you can work with that can help you get it done. So I, worked with, I work with a, uh, a gentleman out of California. He's an expert with uh, putting all of these 
the ingredients together. Uh, you have to pasteurize things. You have to add, you know, the right amount of flavor. So he's he's been instrumental in helping me dial in my recipe and okay. making sure that we get it done correctly. Okay. Uh, I mean, in terms of like the actual distillation of the rum, I would say I think my dad probably logged like a few hundred thousand hours on YouTube prior to, and then just practicing and with his uh, with his own equipment and, and, and making it that way. Wow. So. And and you both are in fields where a lot of, I, I suppose, customer education is sort of a, a large part of the outreach and the marketing just to teach people about, you know, these cuts of meat or sure. these craft. Yeah, because some people groups. don't even know, like, what's the reposado, um, you know, what, what, what what's the difference between the, the tequila, what is it made of versus the rum, or you can make rum from the juice, you can make it from this, so it, it just... That's always been my approach to marketing is educating, adding value to the customer and, and then making sure the product is really tastes great and high quality. Great. Yeah, uh, customers are always shocked to hear how much tenderloin is on a cow. When you tell them, okay, we get a 700-pound steer in, I always like, how many pounds do you think of that is tenderloin? And we're talking maybe eight pounds. So that is what justifies the price. It's a supply and demand thing. So if we can kind of... You know, education is a big part of what we do, and, and on our end, we have to educate them on how to cut or how to cook the cuts that, A, sometimes they can't even pronounce them, you know, and B, they've never seen before. But if we can um, give the customer that knowledge and give them the confidence, and then they, have the, they go home and they produce this meal for their family or for friends that come over, they all of a sudden feel like a rock star, you know? They're like, oh, I cooked pecania tonight, you know? And we teach them all these, uh, you know, Latin words for different cuts, and now they have a story to tell, and that they're doing the marketing for us, you know? So before we wrap up, sadly, since we're almost out of time, tell me what the, what the plan is, the long-term plan. Is there an exit strategy? Do you want to go national? Is it, is it to just make a happy living doing this in South Louisiana? Can we go first? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, uh, so my my our, our vision is to grow the heck out of this thing, uh, to be a household name, uh, one of your go-to spirits of choice, uh, whether it's tequila, vodka, or rum. Um, and we, we that's why we partner with Southern Glazer because you know they have the capacity and the wherewithal to take us there. Uh, and then if Mr. Goldring at Sazerac wants to come and uh, <laughs> scoop us up, you know, yeah. there's, there's always a, a time for a conversation at some point. But um, I'm, I'm proud of what we're doing right now and really enjoying uh, every time we get to go out to the, and meet with customers and allow them to taste it. And, and, the, and the dinners we throw, the, just bringing people together over that delicious meal of, that perhaps they're cooking at home and they can join it with a nice spirit. It's super fun to be a part of that. And tequila, rum, and vodka, but no plans for bourbon or rye or, or, I, I, like or I said, scotch? I'm all about letting people... I'm all about doing what you're best at, and there is enough really good bourbon out there, and I'm not sure that we could add a ton of value to that space, uh, but I was happy to do it with, with our lineup. Uh, and Scotch, well, you know, that's, that's in Scotland, and they do, they do a hell of a job, and it takes at least 10 years to get something really good. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, On our business, we've been through so much evolution in 13 years. We've, we've been doing this for 13 years from pedaling it pound by pound at the farmer's market for four hours every Saturday to open a retail and now we have the restaurant. Um, our goal at our current location is to grow the restaurant side of it um, and on the butcher side because it all works together. You know, we're, we're communicating on both sides on developing the menu based on the butcher shop and as 
the volume grows, all of a sudden we have more ground meat, so now we have a hamburger on the menu. So those types of things, um, expanding into some dinner service. Right now we do just lunch, but long term, like Natalie said, we, we've taken these 13 years and built a brand, right? Now what do you do with this brand? We have brand loyalty, we have a great look, we have, you know, everybody's talking about it. Now what do we do with it to grow it? So um, people always ask, when's the next location coming? And instead of doing more locations with all the liabilities of real estate and more employees and things like that, we've developed all these great recipes for sausages, boudins, uh, tasso, all of these things that we can work with other farmers that the cuts that produce those products are liabilities on their end. So if we can work with them and get an outlet for all that under our brand and produce like a packaged sausage that we're doing in an inspected facility and then wholesaling to grocers and specialty meat markets, that's kind of a long-term vision of how we can grow it outside of our four walls. All right. Well, Galen Iverstein and Natalie Noel, it's so much fun to meet creative young entrepreneurs who are cultivating local livestock and agricultural products in sustainable and interesting ways and coming up with foods and spirits that not only enhance our wining and dining experiences, but help remind people of what makes South Louisiana so special. Thanks so much for making time to share your stories and insights with me today on Out to Lunch. It's been good fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Galen Iverstein of Iverstein Farms and Natalie Noel of Noel Family Distillery. We edited this show to fit into our time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Galen and Natalie on the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsbatonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Today's photos were taken by Brian Pavlich, and you can find more of Brian's photos at pavlichphotography.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. Today's show was engineered by Dylan Babineau. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you around the table at Mansour's again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansour's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily, 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com. 